purpose is to... <laughs> what was that? What voice was that? That wasn't even your presentation I voice. I powerful stories, impactful content designed to make a difference, a supportive and engaging community. People struggling with mental health deserve more. We know what it's like to be low. We plan to give back to those who really need it. Our aim is to build the largest, most supportive mental health community in the world. We want to bridge the gap between mental stigma and popular culture and show that anything is possible. And now, here's your host, Matt and Rich. Well, uh, so it looks like the episode two starts with um, <laughs> laughter as well. Whether I don't know whether it's nervous laughter, what is it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Claire just said her legs were shaking, so sorry, sorry to expose you there, but that's why we're laughing. Because <laughs> what you'll realise is um, this isn't scary. This is more let's laugh at Matt and Rich being stupid. Well, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully so. Um, cool. So. We have Clara. Um, I had to really concentrate saying yeah, that because I, because I quite often call her Clara. Yeah, I've been and, and I get these death stares when um, I call her Clara. So um, Clara, from me. Yeah, yeah. You don't, don't, you don't even know you're doing it. You don't even know you're doing it. I don't believe that. <laughs> having met, having met her, I can, I can say now that I think you're picking something up that doesn't exist. No, I think so. I think so. I'd also just like to point out that. Um, Matt's wife Holly is home and has laid out this sensational selection of nuts, strawberries, oranges, fruit bars. I'm not used to this type of service. No, I'm, I'm gonna that's how we're going to roll from now on. This is this. A, I'm going to upload a picture <laughs> to Instagram just to show this. I've already taken the picture actually, but it's fantastic. So this is now what I'm what I'm going to want every time. Hospitality is yeah. what we're about. It's amazing. <laughs> so, Clara. Tell us a little bit about yourself. This is our. Well, this is exciting for us because this is our, our first proper guest on yeah. the on on the show. You are our um, first guest. No There's no pressure. So at all. yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Where where you're from? Uh, I'm Clara. I live in Lower Early. I'm 42. Uh, I've got three children. I've been married 20 years this year. Um, awesome. I'm a PT. Retrained as a PT three years ago. Uh, after being a nursery nurse for goodness knows how many years, but got to the point where my children were older, I didn't want to work with everyone else's mm. because it was enough. <laughs> You've done the kids <laughs> thing. I've done the kids thing. <laughs> how old are your kids now? My kids are now 18, 16 and 14. Oh, cool. So two girls and a boy. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Cool. So, um, Rich, why didn't you um, kick us off with... The next bit of the show, so we're gonna, we're going to go straight into. Uh, everyone's very nervous about this. We got this. We got this random question generator. So it's going to be a little bit like what we did in the first show, um, and this is even more random than that was. So I expect it to oh, fail right. even more this time round than it, it did on the last. So one. general feedback from people who've listened to our last podcast is that actually we felt we were going on a little bit at the beginning, <laughs> just talking There's about random surprise. stuff that had nothing to do with mental health, but actually people quite enjoyed it so um i do think icebreakers are important doing a podcast can sometimes be a, a, a nervous thing um so the ability for us to ask each other stupid questions put each other on the spot um i think is a good idea so here we are we're gonna do it um clara first no <laughs> <laughs> 
see what the question is first, and then we decide. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Do you know what? No, do you know what? Do you know what? You've picked something, Matt, with some deep questions. <laughs> yeah, there, there are. There's some deep ones in there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm gonna put this your way, Matt. What's something people don't worry about but really should? Oh wow! That, how deep is that? That's a great question. What's something that people don't worry about but should? Um, being, 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 a de- being a good human being, being a decent human being, not enough people prioritise being a genuine good person for the people around them in the world. Okay. He's good. I like that answer. Yeah. I think you're right as well. Um, I think mm. we're inherently quite a selfish species. Absolutely. Um, but this is getting a bit deep. I've got one for you, Clara. <laughs> How useful would you be in a zombie apocalypse? What skills do you have that would help Ooh. you and others survive? Oh, I like it. So I think this is quite a good Ooh. question. Why can I get that one? Is it? Yeah. Really? It is a good question. Matt, teaching people to I play the guitar is not the one. <laughs> no, no, really not. What would, you, what would you do to survive a, a zombie apocalypse? Wow. She's on the spot. I am on the spot. I'm trying not to death stare anybody now. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, there you actually. Go. I could death stare yeah, them. There were many zombies coming anywhere near her. I'd be running the other way. Fine, I'm going to go for one. Them. There you go. <laughs> um, Next one. Random. Who is your favourite entertainer? Comedian, musician, actor. Oh. I mean, I, I've been known as an entertainer in my day. Um, I don't know, I'm quite into my hip-hop. I like Jay-Z. His music is, uh, has always been uh, something that I've listened to, so I think I'd go with him. Matt. No, I can't. <laughs> um, I like that. A little, little bit of respect for Hover as well, Jay-Z. Uh... <laughs> I'm dying here. This is rubbish. Um... What do you like to do that is traditionally considered masculine? What's the most masculine thing you do when you just think, do you know what, I'm a real man? Probably not very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, lifting weights, there you go. Yeah, there you go, simple. That's fair, that's fair. It's quite primal, it's quite masculine. Oh, here we go, Clara. What was your most memorable dream or nightmare? Ooh. You can pick either. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a real on the spot one. But I hope you go with dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to share that one. <laughs> right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a. I'll give you a, a pass. If you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what would you have a good chance at winning a medal for? Overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Straight off. <laughs> Um, and I don't have to overthink that one. <laughs> uh, I've got one. Why did you decide to do the work that you're doing now? Um, oh, actually, that's I, I. I work in marketing. I love brand. I like making things look fantastic. So I'm I'm like a bit of a magpie when it comes to colours and logos and imagery and fonts and putting things together. And although that's only a, a small part of marketing, um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy doing it, and it's it's a passion of mine. Um, I also like writing stuff and and the creative, creative creative messaging stuff like that. So yeah, that's me. Um, all right, we're going to do one more each, and then we're actually going to start. Matt, what TV show or movie would you ref- do? You have do you refuse to watch? Let's go uh, with TV show. 
It's on at the moment, Love Island. Right? <laughs> I what? knew you were going to say that. What? You were the what most, a load of rubbish. You were the most un-Love Island person I've ever met in my life. Like, I actually thought, yeah, well, I came back once, Holly was watching it, I thought, all right, yeah, you can keep it on. I'm going to pot around and do something. And even as background noise, I was genuinely annoyed. So <laughs> I had to leave the room, yeah. Oh, it's um, trash. I'm trying to find one that doesn't put you on the spot, <laughs> This is worse than anything else. This is a bit I worried about. Uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, this is this is an all right one. Who would be your worst person to be stuck in an elevator with? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. It is a great question. I've got. I can answer this one. I think myself. No, it can't be yourself. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in on my own. <laughs> Oh, so you'd rather be stuck someone in the elevator really with Donald annoying. Trump? Yeah, no. Someone really annoying. Yeah. Yeah, Donald Trump would be one. Yeah. Anyone who's just annoying, really. <laughs> That'd be quite entertaining. Anyone who's Donald smelly. Yeah. No. Good point. No comment on that one. <laughs> All right, fine. I think those, those are the icebreaks out of the way. Well done, you passed it. it was oh, no- thanks. It was nothing to worry about. Your answers, <laughs> no, were, be- Your answers were probably better than ours. So, um... Obviously, with any with any podcast, there's a reason we're here today. Uh, that's to talk through your story in a little bit more detail. Um, so, I guess the first question that, that I'd have is when when did you realise your mental health was bad? Talk us through that. What what was the the moment where you you sort of knew? Because my interpretation of mental health, my experience of anyone I've spoken to, is it's never just this switch one day. Mm. It happens over time, but there tends to be this time where you're. So, well, you have to almost be honest with yourself and say, do you know what, I'm, I'm struggling. So when was that? How did that happen? Well, I think that for me was, it's just it's just coming up to three years ago now. 2016, um, end of June actually. Uh, I was training lots to the point of destruction really. When and you say training, you mean gym? In weight. the gym, yeah. yeah. Weights, just anything, you know, classes, mm-hmm. anything to just numb how I felt about myself to just destroy my body that's what I was trying to do because I hated it okay. I really hated it um, it got to a point where um, I'd been told that that was it you need to get out of the gym for a little while I was, my body was just hurting so, so we, badly so how, so how often were you um, were you training what, I was when, training when you say destroy every your body? day I would go to like a couple of classes and then I would go out and I would run Wow. to the point it was it was just not a benefit at all everything was hurting everything was getting injured so that's what sort of like triggered to then go into what I would class as my breakdown meltdown however you want to describe it mm-hmm. um, and what did that entail that entailed so it was actually on a Saturday yeah. I'd been told on the Tuesday that I needed to deload which is why I find deloading now a bit of a what's deloading so deloading when you're in the gym you're just taking it back a bit letting your body recover right I see so uh, not like a, letting it like a, not, not, you're not going for maxes not you're not going, going for a rest like chilled no, yeah, yeah. No. Um, and I'm not very good at doing that and who told you to deload this was my PT okay who is amazing yeah and I still have him now give, you can um, give him a little shout out I should shout out to Simon definitely to Simon Flat because he has kept me going a lot. Awesome. A lot. He knows me very well now. Nice. Yeah, he's do you know him? I do. Oh, cool. I do. Hi, Simon. Hi, Simon. Hi, <laughs> Simon. <laughs> we'll tag you. This one's for you. Yeah. <laughs> this one's just for you. It's dedicated to you. <laughs> so, so that was on the Tuesday. So then that week, this is when I started in my journal, 
because um, I actually wrote in there that I need to journal this, I need to keep mm -hmm. something to keep me sane because I was having to be thrown out of my routine. Okay. Um, so where did this decision to to write a journal come from? Has that been something that has always happened? Or is this... As a child, I'd always written a diary. Yeah, um, okay. Because it... And I wrote every day religiously, and I've got my diary still that I'd kept. Wow. But my childhood is what triggered all of this anyway. Okay. So I'd already kept those, and I stopped writing a diary when I'd had it read. It was read by my stepdad at the time. Yeah. Um, and that was a whole different issue. But just for the fact then that I was like, actually, no, it used to help me, so that's mm. what I was going to do. So I found this notebook, which was just empty, and I thought, right, I'm going to start writing there just to try and keep some control, because I think that's the thing. It's that trying to keep control. Yep. And so that was my way of doing it. Um, but So that was the Tuesday. By the Saturday, I was feeling very angsty. I was really fi you know, finding that I was getting really worked up. Yep. I could just feel it, and I was getting really angry, but I didn't understand why. Um, so we were supposed to be meeting with friends and I just didn't want to go. John, no. my husband, he just didn't understand it. He didn't understand it at the time. I didn't even understand it. You no. know, how can I expect him to understand no, it when I don't even understand? It's often so, so difficult for people that are close to you because they, they're not, they don't have the feeling, so they're just watching something mm. and not... Exactly. No one. They can't see it. They can't see you suffering with a broken arm. No, exactly. They don't know what's going on inside. They just have no idea. They just have to trust that what you say. Exactly. Yeah. And when you can't say it because you don't understand it yourself, it's very hard. So quite often that then comes out in anger, which is what mine did. So at this point, we were supposed to be seeing friends, and I was like, no, I'm not going. He got really cross because he's like, well, we're supposed to be going. You keep doing this. You know, it's like you always planning to mm. meet up but then you're you know stopping at the last minute you're backing out and he got really arsy he got yeah. really cross and naturally fair enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's frustrating it's yeah, so frustrating so he ended up going over I was on my own because the children were all busy doing whatever they were doing um and I remember just sitting out in conservatory and just thinking I, I don't want to do this anymore I can't live in my head anymore mm -hmm. you know what is going on in my head I can't escape this Mm. And I went out to the kitchen and I got a packet of paracetamol and I put them on the table in the conservatory and I was just like, you've done it before, you know, because I had done this before. I was like, you know, just take them. When you say just done this before? Them. I've done this before. This was, this was another story as well. So years back when I'd left home, I'd hurt, I'd take lots of paracetamol and try it lots of times. Yeah. But that's another, that's another issue. Wow, it's pretty powerful stuff um, though. Mm. So I knew it, and I sat there and I looked, and I thought, oh, you know, you've done it. So I took, and I ended up having about four, I think, just taking that packet four, and it's like, this is okay, you can do this, you know. It doesn't really feel anything, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it because I wanted to die. I wanted to do it because I was wanted someone to rescue me. Yeah, yeah. So, so and that was the difference. Cry for help was a cry. It was yeah. such a cry mm -hmm. for help, but then it's like, yep, yeah, you've got your cry for help here, but there's no one here. And if you keep taking these... So I would send a message to John, you know, saying that, you know... I'm really upset, I'm taking paracetamol, I've had enough. And it was, it sounds awful, because it sounds like you're just like, oh my God, you know, look at me, or poor me, you know, oh, you know. I don't me. think it is. And I don't think people think feels. that. No, but that's what you think. It's what, that it's people what you would perceive think, at, and at that's the time, how you isn't it? Yeah. it? Exactly. And, but I just wanted to be rescued. 
and I'd wanted to be rescued for so many years, for so long. And um, so John ended up coming back home and his friend ended up coming over as well. Um, his friend who actually really helped me get through it after this as well because he sat with me. And I just burst out into tears and everything just came out. Everything, you know, so much stuff from my past just came out. And it was scaring me because it was coming out and I could not stop mm -hmm. it. There was something that just seemed to switch and it was on a roll. And it was almost like myself saying to me, do it. You're doing it now. Just do it. This is what you've wanted to do for so many mm -hmm. years. Let it go. I couldn't look at him. I couldn't look at either of them. And I just buried, I remember just burying my head in a pillow <laughs> and saying so much stuff that wanted to come out. It was like someone else was saying it. And I was just hiding like, yeah, yeah, go on, keep it going. Go on, you're on a roll. Mm -hmm. Just keep it going. And so that was the start of that. And then I worked out after seven hours that wow. took. That was just seven hours wow. of just crying and breaking and crying and just kept on breaking. And did you find it therapeutic? At the time, yes, I think. Must have, must have almost felt like a it, relief that you'd finally like, got some of it. It was a relief and it was. And it was almost like, okay, right, this is your time. You know, you've started now. You mm. know, you've done it now. It's, it's done. Mm -hmm. Not realising at the time, actually, I'd done it now, it wasn't done. That was just the start. The start, because, because it's, it's almost the rea realisation. It is the realisation. Yeah. You're being true to things. yourself, being honest. Exactly, and you've got to admit it as well. Then it's uncanny, really. It. I, I, I did exactly the same. But the thing that strikes me about that most is I had a, a very honest and deep conversation with my mum and um, when I was going through, through this, and uh, I couldn't look at her. And I, so you saying that is uh, is really interesting because I remember saying this is um, this is this is some deep stuff that I'm saying and I just don't have the ability to make eye contact. Yeah. So I I, I recognise what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I know what that's like. Uh, it's scary, but at the same time, it needs to happen. Yeah, and it just I've makes learned, it easier. Just, yeah. just not looking. No, yeah. this is it. But I've I've read something in you know in the last few years. And there is something about, you don't want people to look into your eyes because it's like as if they could see into your soul and mm. you don't want them to see. Because yeah. every time I tell someone something, it's very hard to then look them in the eye. You know, if I'm, when I sat with my counsellor, I will look past or I'll put my sunglasses on. Yeah. Just so that you can't see in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know it. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do to sort of... Come clean, bear, bear yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're bearing your soul. Yeah, yeah. It's so much that's hidden you're you know you're bearing it you're putting it out there yeah and it's a big thing to do yeah definitely so you're you're you've done this over a seven hour period and yeah. you am i right in saying you've done it to people who aren't really professionals they're yep normal Not people professional. They it know was my you. husband yeah. that was sat there he was just sat there and i think i didn't even look at him so i couldn't even tell you but i can imagine it was just shock and yeah. like yeah Oh my mm. word, what was going on? And his friend, who's actually um, a police sergeant, so he did have a bit of a, an idea. Yeah. Um, so, where, where, what happened next? So, Where'd what you happened go from next? There? So, this then carried on. So, the next day, I was supposed to be meeting my dad for a walk. We were supposed to be going out for the day. And I put my mask back on and went out for the day. And mm. um, it was as if nothing had happened. And that's how I then continued the next few days until the Tuesday, so it was only a couple of days, so the Sunday, Monday was just dark. I can't I can't even remember it because it was just dark. It was numb. Yeah. It was completely numb. I was exhausted. 
no one knew apart from who was involved. Nobody mm. knew. I didn't want anybody to know. Um, and then by the Tuesday, I remember dropping my son at school. He was finishing school. He was finishing primary school. And I knew that he was going to be going off to secondary school. I was getting to the point where all three of mine were going to be at secondary school. I didn't feel like I had a purpose anymore. And I remember dropping him at the gate and walking. And as I dropped him, thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to see you again. Wow. And then I just walked and walked. And I couldn't even remember where I was walking to. And I remember getting to a bridge. And I remember just standing there and looking, thinking, this is the only way you're going to ever escape your head. There's no other way out but to escape. You've got to do this. But I was texting my friend at the time, almost wanting him to read what I was trying to tell him, but not write, because I couldn't write it. Yeah. And, and he'd messaged one through saying, you know, you will get through this. It's not ever, always going to be like this. And I just remember thinking, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. And I had my music blaring in my ears. And all that stopped me was I looked around at my dog. <laughs> and I was like, <clears throat> if I jump off that bridge, you're probably going to run into that road and get hit by a car. And the kids are going to be absolutely distraught that you've got one over. It's incredible. Nothing about me. It's incredible. It really didn't matter. It, yeah. it did not matter at the time. Uh, but all I worried about was like... The kids will be absolutely distraught because their dog's been run over. It's incredible that the, that you can have such low self worth that uh, you, yeah. your dog is the only reason. He was <laughs> the yeah. only reason that my kids would be so upset was because I'd they'd be really cross at me because I'd let the dog get run over. But in rea- reality, they'd have been absolutely <laughs> devastated. <laughs> so would you would you class that as was that the was that the bottom? That was that day that, that moment. The, that was the absolute bottom because then I found there. There must have been a strength there then because I walked away from that bridge and I sat under a tree and just sobbed and sobbed until John came and found me with Matt, our friend. Um, they just found me sobbing under the tree and I remember just, I just remember shutting up, had my hands over my ears, just was squeezing my eyes shut and I was like, don't look at me, don't, just ignore me, please just go away, just leave me, I just need to just be left, I don't want to be here. And I wish that no one knew I was here. I wish I never mm. existed. That's how it felt because I just didn't want... I didn't want it. I didn't want any of it. And they ended up dragging me into the car. And I remember screaming at them all the way home. And they're like, you know, we're going to have to... I could hear them talking and I was getting so angry because they were talking about me. Yeah. They took mm. my control away. But I'd given it away. They had to. Really, I had given they? it yeah. away. But at the time... I was so angry at them because they'd taken it from me. It must have been incredibly challenging for John. It was extremely mm. challenging. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely. a very difficult situation, especially when you're not used to it. You don't know what's going on. You're not trained to be able to deal no. with it. Yeah. So what did he do? How did he... How did he? Well, we got back home and um, I'd shut myself in our bedroom. I remember locking the door um, and was just so angry because they were trying to get me to the doctor. Yeah. But to get to the doctor is like admitting it again. It, to me, it's like, look, I've already admitted it to you on Saturday. That should be enough now. Make me better. Make it go away. Mm. It's been a couple of days now. It needs to be done. But obviously it wasn't. You know, this was three years ago. and I. But I even remember at one point saying, because I wrote this down as well, at two weeks, at the two-week point, I remember turning around and saying, it's been two weeks now. Why aren't I better? Mm-hmm. Why hasn't it gone? You so know, what happened over those two weeks? What were the immediate so things that you did? So over those two weeks, I 
was dragged into the doctors. Everything was dragged because I did not want to do anything. Um, I could feel walls coming up. They were just up. I had walls that really came up. Yeah. Um, it was like I went into lockdown. I just didn't want anyone mm. having any control. Um, so I was taken to the doctors and, again, I couldn't look at the doctor. I was hiding in my friend's armpit. Just mm. almost like, just, you know... I'm not speaking to that doctor. I think it was a lady. I didn't actually see. I think it was. And all I just remember, I was just given tablets. Um, But obviously they had to be kept in someone else's house because I'd have been quite likely to just take all of them. And because they were strong antidepressants, they would have been a lot (coughs) harsher than the four or five Nurofen paracetamol that I've been taking. Definitely. Um, So they were taken to another house. And I remember there was... That night I did take one. I was like, right, okay, fine, I'll take one. You know, just to keep you all happy, I'll take one. (laughs) I took one. And the next morning I remember waking up feeling so groggy and saying to them, you can keep it, I am not going down that route. And I didn't. Oh, wow. That was the only tablet I've ever taken for it. And I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this with a clear head. And if I'm doing it, I'm doing it properly. Well, however it hurts... I don't want to mask it. I have got to face this head on. And find the solution. I've got and to not find just, the solution. Yeah, I can't hide, hide it, yeah. and I can't put it off any longer. Mm, yeah. Because I'd already been put on antidepressants when I was 17, when I'd left home. I'd left home on a massive argument. I'd been put on antidepressants because I was cutting myself. I was back to the Nurofen. I think this is why Nurofen and Paracetamol don't work for my headaches. <laughs> 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 um, so... So, yeah, so it just went from there, really. And then I was given a number to phone for a talking therapies. And I think it was very similar to yours, where I'd phoned them, I'd finally got hold of them, and one of the first questions was, are you suicidal now? I was like, yeah. well, no, because I'm phoning you, but I have been. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like, yeah. please don't think that it's gone. It's the, it's, I, <laughs> I don't know what that setup is. And I, one day I hope we get someone on the podcast yeah. who can explain <laughs> that the GP therapy... National Health Service approach to mental health because I'm still a little dubious on it, but um, yeah, I, I, it, I think it's crazy. It took me ages, as I said on the last podcast. Mm. The first question for me was, um, "Are you going to kill yourself? Are you, mm. yeah, are you suicidal?" That was the opening question. Yeah, no, that was mine. Um, which the tact to to, <laughs> to start there is incredible. Um, <laughs> after three weeks worth of waiting, so um, yeah, I, I'm. After doing a lot of research, after speaking to people, reading reading a lot of stories, it doesn't seem to me that many people get a, a good deal with the, the NHS no. and mental health. And, you know, I'm, I'm very careful not to blame GPs uh, who are doing a great job, um, but I just don't think they're equipped with the no, stuff needed to be able so, to manage no. it. Um, I think mental health and um, understanding mental health and sort of accepting that it's a thing is fairly new still um you know four or five years and but how far has it come in these four or five it's years? come yeah, far definitely. for sure yeah. for sure but i yeah i relate to it i understand it so you didn't take medication nope didn't um take medication you you didn't get much in terms of talking therapy through the gp well i well you did um, then we spoke with them and then my friend had spoken with them and he said right you know you've been given 10 um sessions mm-hmm because at the time they actually did a free one at Ark over in Wokenham, obviously not the gym. This not, is why this it's is not very no, but this is why it's very strange. Yeah. Because that was the first counselling place that I was then sent to. Right. So I was given that, but it was 
the ladies were fantastic, you know, it was, I can't fault it, and it actually got me on to actually go in to see somebody to try and talk about it. Um, but it was a 50 minute once a week, and you would sit there and you would be talking, but just as I would get into it, I'd be really aware of the clock ticking, and yeah. like, okay, it's time up now, come back next week. Mm. And, and I understand why they have to do that, mm-hmm. but then it's actually very hard to get to go and start speaking about it. My first session, I sat there, again, I don't know what it is about me and armpits and hiding, but <laughs> I remember sat there and just hiding for the whole of the first yeah. session. It takes a while to feel comfortable. Well, to it does. I, I, I felt. So you can't just sit down in front no. of something you don't know in a in an unfamiliar room and then and just, just start talking about everything. the the most challenging yeah, things exactly. that, you have, that you've ever faced. You have to build up a rapport. And I think mm. um, having to wait a week for that next session, I certainly found that in in when I when I did counselling, I wanted it daily. Mm. I wanted to do this yeah. daily, and I, I felt like I could get in the rhythm and we could really get somewhere. But you're right. You you, you start to get to the meat and bones of what it is that you want to talk about at minute 40 and you've yes. got 10 minutes to yeah. go and then it's see you next week and yeah. you're starting from scratch again it so is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, do, I, I did find that very frustrating it is and I think that's where the journals then came in and that's where they really helped me yeah. because as the, no one was answering me but I was still able to start to put it down you know if I could it just helps start you process it, it. Out, yeah, it is, it's, it's that whole process it's a if we try and just keep it in our head, it, it it's just a jumble, it right? A it, it's jumble. a process of being able to start to organise our it thoughts is. and emotions, and we'll find we'll write stuff that we didn't expect we'd ever write, and exactly. you know, and, and then it's there to be able to reflect on, yes. as well. Um, and quite often, I write something and I won't actually realise I've written it until I read mm. it back, and then I read it back and I think, oh crikey, yeah. Mm. I think one of the best things that from those early days of counselling, which I find really helped was I was told to try and take these thoughts and try and put them in boxes. Yeah. I had to put them in boxes in my head so mm-hmm. I could actually visualise something and that's what really helped me through. Mm. It was to take these issues that I had. So we'd work through why I had all of these issues and then it was taking them, putting them in boxes in my head, mm. shutting a lid on them and going back to them when I could. So my main issue, I went back to... I ripped that box off just last last July actually and I went and faced mm. my my demon. So how do you do so just describe that and we don't you can go into as much or a little detail about the actual demon as, as you need mm. to, but that process, you you talk about putting it in a box, so that's a it's quite a difficult thing to describe and understand, yeah. isn't it? Mm. That it's you're really, thinking about something and you're you're literally thinking about a box, putting mm. it in it, closing yeah. it and then moving on and focusing on something mm. else yeah. how do you go back to that so it's to go back to that so you'd get the box so you have these boxes so you just put one in each one and then in your head it's labeled it's got a lid on it and it cannot be opened mm-hmm. until you're ready yeah and you think well when am i going to be ready you know and mm. i'm how did you know you were ready for your, for your it just happens yeah i just felt like it was it was ready so some of them were easier to deal with so some of them would just be naturally opened up and it wouldn't be till afterwards that I think, oh, actually, yeah, that one's, I think that That's one's dealt with. Yeah. That one's, mm. you know, that one's done. My biggest one was my stepdad because mm-hmm. um, he was my bully. Uh, mm. He actually died nine weeks ago now. Wow. So I'd always thought, like, you know, once he, I'm not ever going to be free of this until he is gone. Yeah. Um, 
I don't ever want to upset because my sister, I've got my sister from it, and I've got my half sister, it's her dad. Um, and do they and know? Do they, they know, they do know, they knew, you know, they've got their own ideas of it all as well. Yeah, yeah. But he was still married to my mum, yeah. so it was all very, very Wow, quite a lot to deal with, isn't it? So mm. we did have to be in a box. And then last July, again, talking through with my counsellor, and then I would talk through with Simon, I would talk through with my friends, who I could trust. And I realised I had to go and see him. So last July, I actually went and faced him. Wow. And I think it was probably one of the hardest things I'd ever done. Um, to just go and face him yeah. and just say I was bullied as a child I've had a breakdown I've tried to kill myself numerous amounts of times because I can't stand being this person that I am but this person that you've made me to think I am when I don't really think I am yeah <laughs> what um, an incredibly brave thing to do yeah, and how, yeah. How, how did he even react to that he denied it yeah which which really shocked me. It shocked me and it didn't. Um, my counsellor said as afterwards as well, she said the fact that he did, it just confirms that yeah. it was all true because if someone had come and said to you, you know, if one of your children, your stepchildren had come and said to you, this is what's happened, how would you feel? I said, I would be absolutely mortified. Yeah, of course you would. I would be mortified. But he was so defensive and it's like, no, this is all rubbish. It's like, well, you know, what did you just wake up this morning and think you'd come and tell me that I'm a bully? And it's like, you have absolutely no idea. <laughs> no. You've no idea of what you've done. Yeah. And so that was like another turning point in it. Mm. And I thought then, and again, I thought that I'd opened the box, I'd released it, I'd sorted it, and it was done. And it wasn't fully, because it did actually keep on going a bit more. But then it's because there was a lot of deep-rooted issues. Yeah, my yeah. counsellor said to me, you know, I'd had 27 years of being, of telling myself that I'm such a bad person because that's all I've ever been taught. Yeah. So she said, you know, of practising for 27 to 30 years almost, practising, telling yourself how useless you are, how rubbish you are, how fat, how... All these awful things that you've been told. You can build up pretty strong belief in exactly. that time. I became pro. Mm -hmm. So to then try and fight against that, yeah. and this is where my anger was all coming from. This is where all the breakdowns stem from because I was trying to fight something that I had built up so strongly, but then I was then trying to find something else inside to fight it, mm. and it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. It was too. It was too strong. Mm. Wow! What an it's... incredibly brave thing to do. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, you know, I, I can relate to that. I had a tough upbringing or it could be a sibling, it could be a parent, someone else. Um, how, do they, how do they make the decision to address that box? When's the time right? How do they go they about to, it? I think the, it's, oh, it's building up your team of support around you. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is really important, Which isn't is it? Which yeah, is so absolutely. important. And having people around you that know what you're thinking and what you're planning on doing and yeah. talking it through and it not just being a spur of the moment, I need to do this alone. No, well, this is just it. Because even before I went to see him, I remember thinking to myself, right, okay, how I'm going to decide whether I go or not, mm. I'm going to text Simon and I'm going to see if I could have a training session with him mm -hmm. around the time. 
I need, and I knew then by that time, because I'd had a few years of counselling, I knew that if I was going to do something big, if I knew I was going to open a box, I knew that I had to have a strategy in place yeah. after, mm -hmm. because it's how it's going to affect me after. Yeah. But I'd learned that. That's just something that I'd had to learn through the counselling, through, mm. you know, through Having a plan. years of doing it. So it's that plan. So in my head, it's like, right, if I can have a training session for Friday, I will go Thursday. This was on the Wednesday. And I remember sending a text thinking, fine, okay, I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to send it because if it's meant to be, he will be able to do a session. Mm, yeah. So it's like, yeah, we'll do it Friday. I was like, brilliant. Texting back, great. Thinking, oh my God. I've got to do it now. Made it more real. It's like, it's like, oh, you've committed to it now. Yeah. It's like, and so that's so, I had to. Yeah. Because I, that's, you know, that was the pact I'd made with myself. It's it's interesting that you you sort of you see the you see your the the medicine is the is the training. Yeah. yeah. I mean I anyone who knows my story, that was my medicine. Yeah. I threw myself into yeah. it and you know, whenever I'm feeling crap, um, as I was saying to you guys, I felt a bit crap this week. Mm -hmm. um, I throw myself into the gym, mm -hmm. and and it's always the remedy for yeah. me anyway. And it's interesting how many other people use the gym, and it doesn't have to be the gym. It could be fitness, it could be a run, it could be a long walk, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Getting out there and being active, and the the endorphins that are released from doing it, and the sense of satisfaction, I think, is so so powerful. Yeah. yeah, it is definitely, and I think that's why I then went to. Train as PT. Yeah. So you know, so when did that happen? The so so just the yeah. power of it. Because I well, I'm feeling a little lost in this story. So 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 when did you? So we're talking three years ago was was. So rock 2016 bottom. was rock bottom. So July July the second. Yeah. 2016, that's when. That's when it all. Fine. Started. And, the, and then when did you train as a PT? And I went to train as a PT in the September. September 2016, so really, thinking back to it, I didn't give myself a lot of time. No, no. <laughs> and, um, but you recognised that, that fitness was going to be a vehicle for you. Well, it was, because it was helping me get through. It was mm. what was helping me get through. I was so inspired by my own coach. I wanted to do that, and because I knew it helped me, I went to train to, to be a PT, yeah. not to do it for anyone else. It was for me. Yeah. Mm. It was like okay, that will get me better. And also in my head as well at the time, it was like, well, actually, if I'm a PT, then I am strong. I must be. Yeah. I must be strong because, <laughs> you know, I'm a PT. Yeah. Reading my journals after that, obviously it's not because, you know, then it's just an excuse for me to write in there things like, well, you know, you're just a wannabe, you know, you're still you're still fat. How can you class yourself to PT? <laughs> all of these things, all of these excuses. PTs to, are human beings as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I can vouch for that one. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd like to come onto these journals. You've brought some with you. They're really, really interesting to look at. Um, how do we how do we talk through these? It's hard to talk through something that I think is quite visual. Um, well, we've got we've got one from now, right? We've, we've got, got one from now. So we've got one. my current one. We've got number seven, which is my current journal one. Seven. So, so what? this is journal number seven, <laughs> and I've got that because it's almost like my little safety net. I yeah. haven't actually looked nice. in it, but I'd made. I thought, yes, so I'd make bullet points, but actually my bullet points ended up being eight pages. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just no way. And I even remember writing in there at one point, I think it was about, I don't know, three o'clock this morning, I remember think, writing in there saying, look, your bullet points, eight pages long, 
is not good enough. You can't <laughs> do that. That's just not bullet points. It's not going to work. But it helped me to write it, so mm. it's there. But it is. But it's the. I think with writing, and certainly by the sounds of things, the way you're using these is. It's almost not the outcome, it's the journey. It is Do you know the journey, what I mean? But so that's you, whole, yeah. all of it. Of course it is. And so you're yeah. using these journals for the, for the now yeah. to, to focus, mm. to, to get your thoughts down. Um, and actually, you don't need to reflect back a lot of the time. Maybe you no. do, but actually it's the, it's the doing it that, it's that, the doing that helps. It, it yeah. is the doing it now. So we've got number seven, which is now, but we've also got number one. Which you can see. Yeah, the I mean, is, Stephen, it's a different yes, style. You can see the anger in, so in the lines. Anger. So for people, that, so when lines. was this? So this is oh yeah, the date here is the first of August two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. So this is right in the moment. Yeah, you're feeling at your worst. Um, I mean, I, I won't read it out because it's it's personal stuff I to don't do. Mind. But um, <laughs> but so for people that are listening, I don't know. Maybe we take a picture of two contrasting pages <laughs> and show. But actually, visually. The actual handwriting is different, so it's more rigid. You can tell that it's it's being written in a, there's there's emotion in the way in the actual handwriting yeah. itself. It's it seems angry. It's harder. There's some real mm. stark underlines on there. Whereas versus now is softer, um, rounder handwriting. So actually, before you even read the words, you can tell that there's a it, there's a very different person writing one from yeah. the other. It's it's incredible to look at. And, extremely powerful I think then when you get into some of the, some of the language uh, I mean there's a lot of swearing <laughs> I was angry I was death yeah, at that yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to believe the death yeah. stare now Matt <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> she's lied to us my on. <laughs> um, it's, it's you know one of the things that I think we've used the word brave already you know on, on this and it, it's brave to write it I think it's brave mm. because it's because one of the things you want to do is you don't want to admit it, right? So you try and shake it off. You try and shake these feelings off, these emotions. But the only way to really heal is to make it a big part of your life. Yeah. And, and writing it out, you know, and putting it there, you know, it's, it's real. It's, it's on paper. It's yeah. written in ink, you know. It, it's, it's suddenly become real. You don't have a choice but to, yeah. to no. not make it a part of your life. The synergies, right? be, be, the synergies between your story and mine in certain areas are astounding. I mean, you, you happen mm. to open it on this page and you're talking about being miserable and fat and frumpy I won't use some of the language but um, <laughs> but but but, um, but actually and you know I, I, it might be worth getting our, our stories back on the site the old 10% yeah but um, yeah, yeah. My, in my story I've got um, I, I wrote a long story and in and in it I've got um, print screens of where I'd written in my phone not right. a journal but phone and it's the same you're mm. fat you're girlfriend doesn't love you this and that yeah. and it's very very similar just calling myself out uh, and in my story I print the screen and I show people the perspective from this is how I was talking about myself this was my internal dialogue versus now mm. and it's very very different so I can completely understand that and what it's like to do that it's mm. uh, it's and it's I, I sometimes find it really scary looking back yeah. So I don't know about you, no, but I was you really reading that, looking back at it's, some of that, who is that person? Yeah. How could I have written that stuff? Mm. Uh, which I think is a positive because it shows how far you've come. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually looked back at that. I tried to look back at that on, I think, two days ago. I thought, right, I need to get them out. Mm. I have looked back on it. I looked back on it. I looked and I read and I was like, who is writing this? You know, this poor person. It's like, geez, she's mm. really, really upset. She's really hurting. Yeah. And then it's like... Oh, that was you, and I couldn't read anymore after no. that then because it was a bit of a 
Mm. It's a bit of a kick, really. It's like, but, wow, that was you. But you can afford to say, I've come a long way. Yeah, yeah. I can now. It's, although it's, you know, it's not good to, to ruminate in the past, but being able to tangibly see, mm-hmm. you know, like, like we can here, you know, not just in the types of words, but in how it's written, you know, it, it's, it's important to be yeah. able to keep touch of that. It is. Yeah. And, you know, be able to... You know, even if it's just for, to give yourself a pat on the back for, for the effort that you've gone through, you know, to, to get where you are now. It's um, serves such a powerful purpose. Okay, so uh, what do we like for time? It's uh, a great question. I think we've been going about 40 minutes. Cool, so we've got time. So I guess there, there are a, uh, a couple of things that I'd like to cover off. So one is now. How are you? Like, talk, talk us through where you're at now in terms of the place you're at and some of the things that you're uh, doing to, to, to cope with it. Because I think we made a really... We had a conversation before the podcast started that um, it's very short-sighted to say, I'm better. Mm. Uh, I don't mm. think... I think we all, and by all I mean everyone on the planet, suffers with their mental health at some point to varying degrees. Some mm. minuscule, some major, some ongoing, some offgoing. But... Um, I don't think it ever stops. Mental health is a living, breathing thing, isn't yeah, it? it um, is. So you, it's not a case of you just being better, um, but you're clearly in a much better place. Much better. Place, so yeah. what what's that place like now? How are you? How are you? Are you thriving? What? How do you feel? I do feel completely different, um, and I don't think you realise at the time just how far you have come on. I think until you do start to look back, definitely. Because quite mm. often I think, well, you know, I don't feel any different. I even wrote in this journal last week. I've had it, I've had living in my head. But the difference being now is when I get to that place, when I get to that place of like, oh, my head's just driving me mad, you know, why can't it just, my biggest thing is like, why can't I accept if someone says a compliment? Why can't I accept Mm. it if someone says that I am good? You know, why can't I accept that? And it really frustrates me. But to be in that bit of my head where I'm feeling like that beforehand, it would send me to the point of like, I don't want to be here anymore, that's it, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of living in my head. There is no way out. There's no other way out except for to just be gone, mm. to not be here anymore. Everyone else would be much better off. Whereas now the frustration comes because it's almost like, no, but you don't have that choice now. Yeah. That choice is not there anymore. Yeah. And that's my biggest step and my biggest breakthrough is that that's not an option anymore. Mm. And it should never have been anyway. But it's not. So it gets frustrating then because it's like, right, okay, you're sick of living in your head. Yeah. Mm. Deal with it. Yeah. Just deal with it. And you are dealing with it. So, and so yeah. you're yeah, dealing with I, it through journaling. I'm dealing with it through journaling. I'm dealing with it, I'm dealing with it as well through trying to help other people. Yeah. Um, and to just really try and understand it and just trying to give myself a bit of a break, really. Yeah. I'm just trying to treat myself as if I would someone else, you know, because if someone else had come to me with some of the stuff that I'm telling myself, yeah. I would be completely different to them to what I am to myself. Yeah. But I think mm. we're all, you know, we're, we're all, all like that. We're all like that. <laughs> we're all like that. Yeah, so for sure. doing that. Um, so when you say helping other people, do you mean through uh, PT? Through my PT, yeah. yeah. So I only have a few clients. They come to my house um, and whatever they want to talk through, you know, I really do try and feel like I do understand it and I can relate to it um and just by being open I think that's the biggest Mm -hmm. the biggest thing for me is actually just admitting to it even now 
you know, even this is like another big step. Of course it is, yes. Um, just to admit to things, you know, there's some things I've talked about here that I haven't even ever spoken about. You know, the time on the bridge, I've never even spoken that to anybody. It's not even Thank been to my council. Thank you for sharing exactly. it with us. I mean, we, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my council, I've never actually gone to that bit. I've spent so long working on why I got to that point, mm. but never actually discussing that. And just being honest. And being honest with myself so I can then be honest with other people as well. Because then they can hopefully understand me. So if I am shutting them out, I know that even now still, I shut people out and I can feel it. But now I actually call myself out and I've got to the point where I try and call myself out. So it's like, right, if I ever say this to you again, don't listen to it. (laughs) Last week, it was even last week, I said to Simon on the Monday morning, I said, Sunday, I was having a really bad day. I said, I started to write you a message to say, I'm not training tomorrow. And he said, well, I can tell you now, if you ever send me a message like that, I'll say, I'll see you tomorrow at eight. (laughs) Yes, because he knows that unless I'm completely dying or something really awful's happened, Mm. I will always be training. And if I don't turn up for training or if I start, I know now, if I actually decide, no, I'm not training, that's alarm bells for me. Yeah. Because that's the one thing I always do want to be doing. Because yeah, yeah. that's what keeps me sane. So it's just finding the things that work mm. and just being really truthful about it as yeah. well. Wow, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> I think these. I think these stories are so a, powerful. Love a success story. Yeah, me too. I think. Um, I don't think I've ever been called that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know how you take, the, take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those times where you can just write. Get the journal out. <laughs> It's a compliment, and we mean it. No, it is. It's a. It is. A, of course, it's a success story. I mean, you're you visited a place that I don't. I, you know, not many people do, and that's a very, very dark, lonely, scary place. Um, and for you to have come so far as to actually help others is huge. Absolutely mm. huge. I think that's why we, we do it. Yeah. That's why we're doing this. Is our, my theory behind this podcast and behind telling um, such powerful stories is that other people will listen to this and they will. We were saying this before that they will hear this one thing today from mm. your story that they'll think, and it might be the boxes, it might be the support network, it might be the not cancelling the gym session and. Oh, I don't know, confronting the person that they should have confronted years ago, whatever it might be, if we can just spark that one little thing, it's, it can be life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I love that, and I think we should just keep doing it. Well, we're going. We are. There's no choice now. We're committed to it. the plan anyway. So um, I think before we finish, um, and I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot of this, but I always like to finish by, if we can, just giving a bit of advice to people. Um, so I asked you to do a little bit of prep. Is this the point where you get out your yeah, eight pages worth? I know of... exactly. It's just too many. <laughs> scope. No, but that was eight pages of bullet points. It was only like another three well, or four pages after. Listen, listen. So... There's been so much detail in this podcast that that, that it, it's it's littered throughout. But what are your learnings? What what are the things that you would um, that if you have learned through this process that that you could say to someone struggling and feeling in a similar way? What are the the, the main things that that you would suggest they do? I think definitely finding someone that you can trust. You know, I think most people have someone that they could actually genuinely trust. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To actually say how they're feeling. And to also understand that whatever you say, whatever you think, is not ever crazy. A lot of people say, oh, well, I don't really want to say that because it just sounds completely crazy. 
if you're thinking it and you're feeling it, then it matters. So you need a yeah. someone that offers you that safe space. It's a safe yeah. space, mm-hmm. but then this is what this is about. Yeah. And this is what your project's amazing for, because it is actually having someone. Because the other thing of telling somebody is if they don't understand, it's then very hard for you because, as I said before, you know, if you don't understand what's going on, to try and explain it to someone else is very, very hard. Very difficult, yeah. Which is where mm. it comes into, you know, for you guys especially. Um, but to talk about it, you know, to be honest about it, to be honest with yourself if you can, which is probably one of the hardest things actually. Mm. Um, and to get help, you know, and if someone does offer you the help and they want to listen let them yeah, accept and it, it is letting people in that's that's the big thing it's very hard to let people in mm. but I think once you do once you start practicing that it does really help because it just takes it just takes that pressure off just that little bit yeah. you know because that whole time I just remember always thinking I just want someone to take it away I still say to John sometimes just make it go away can you just just make it better mm. and even if it's just you know that no one can no. You, you know ultimately you've got to do it yourself but no just having that release is, is often enough just exactly. the ability to have to say it yeah. to someone just is to enough say it. and sometimes yeah. just to say it is enough to actually give you that bit of release mm. because yeah. it's almost like look i can't do this i can't deal with this yeah please just share some of it just take a little mm. bit of it just just sit there you don't even have to say anything just sit there yeah. and let me just yeah. tell you. And for anyone else who who listens, who has, you know, from the other side of it as well, to just be that support and to just listen. Yeah. I definitely think we need to get someone on the podcast that is the other side of the fence, mm. as it's, I like to it's say. Not, no, it's, not just for, it's not just for those who are suffering no. right now. This is for anyone. This is for the Johns. You know, exactly. For those who are, exactly. who, who are the key much. people yeah. in the support network, you know. Yeah. Well, I was, I, my mum offered to be on this. She said, she said, she. I don't know if I ca- could handle two <laughs> Williams at the same time. Can you imagine a podcast with my mum? <laughs> well, odd. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But we definitely need someone. I don't. I, it I don't. Yeah, maybe it's someone else, but someone that can. I think it would be really, really helpful for someone to describe what it's like um, being a John mm. or being a Lisa in my case yeah. or a yeah. mum. You know, someone, someone that doesn't understand network. that finds it equally as scary I've heard I've heard a, a term used a few times, I see it on social media a lot that mental health can sometimes be worse for the person dealing with it than the person who has it, I'm not sure I agree mm. with that but I think there is some sentiment there that um, you know there is a there's a there's, there's, a, there's a challenge there's, as well. There's a character in this particular yeah. story that might be a little overlooked and actually yeah. is going through some awful Absolutely. awful stuff and Definitely. and um, and it's often a very very scary place. So um, yeah, maybe that's something that we we look into. See maybe if I'll get, get John some. to come in. Maybe yeah, I'd be um, yeah, I'd be keen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's seen some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well. Um, Lovely. I, well, I, yeah, I'm happy. I've, <laughs> I've, it's Are you been happy? A... How did you find yeah, it, Clara? Very good, very you, good. you started shaking. Are you still shaking now? <laughs> no, sure. I think you've been absolutely <laughs> brilliant, and um, I really appreciate you being brave enough. Um, not only in your story, because there's some stuff that you did there mm. that I think uh, is unbelievable. Really, really difficult, difficult things. Things that you've had to do, um, but actually telling it is equally as brave. Um, and I yep. truly think that you telling this story 
um, there is a ripple effect in life and I think that there will be someone listening to this that will do something today, the day they listen to it, that could ultimately change their life and, and have a positive impact on those around them. So, yeah, no, appreciate you coming on. It's been, no, it's no, been really thank amazing. You. Thank you. For thank you. And, you know, we need more coaches in the world like you, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Who, like what you were saying to me um, the other day, yeah. uh, you had a client coming round to yours and you just expected just to sit and have a cup of tea, you know, and just listen that's to it. That's what we did, yeah. And that's, you know, that, that can be so much more important than lifting a few dumbbells yeah. or talking about protein. Exactly. Or macros or micros. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we need more people like you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. That's, no, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. I hope people weren't lost in the story. I, I don't <laughs> think so. There's a lot it's, of story there. It's a, it's a very compelling story, I have to say. And as I said, yeah, I, I really think it'll have some impact. So thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon for, um, for the next episode. Hey. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thank Cheers. Bye. Bye. So... Guys, when the podcast is done, episode two with Clara has um, has finished. Um, but we are very new to this, and we realised we didn't record a proper outro for the podcast. So you probably have noticed a bit of a change in audio quality. We're doing this um, late at night after my wife's thirtieth birthday. Um, we've hopped on to to record this little outro um, over Zoom, so it might sound a little bit different. Um, it was very powerful. Like Clara's story was amazing. And, you know, we've been talking since me and Richard have been talking so much about it since and about how amazing it is and, and how impactful these stories can be. Don't you think, Rich? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do. I think um, I, what I really liked about it was the fact that, I mean, you could even see the transition from, um, I mean, and she won't mind me saying this, but she was physically shaking at the start of the call and uh, we ended with her talking about things she'd never spoken about before. And so I think not only is, is it an extremely powerful story that I think will, um, will help people who are listening and give people advice and, you know, that butterfly effect that we talk about, but also I think it helped her. I think it was um, probably quite therapeutic. I'm sure she'd admit to that uh, if we invited her back on. Uh, so yeah, really, really, really inspiring stuff. And I'm excited about some of the stories to come. Quality. So we don't want to waffle too much here. Um, me especially is very good at doing that. Um, we love creativeness. You know, it's partly what the Think Project is about. Um, so we're going to end it with something creative. Um, Rich has put a little poem together based on kind of the experiences from recording the podcast with Clara. So Rich, why don't you tell us about it and then um, and wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm a, I absolutely love writing. I've said this tons of times. It's why I work in marketing and a passion of mine um, is poetry and, and sort of spoken word. And uh, I find when I listen to these stories, I, I'm really, really inspired and sometimes a little compelled to, to, to write. And so I want to tell these stories in as many possible ways as I can, whether that be video, blog, podcast, and in this case, poem. So I sat down, uh, wrote some words, showed Clara. Uh, I feel, think she was pretty overwhelmed with it. And, and her feedback was that she really, really liked it. And so as a result, um, I thought that I'd, I'd go live with it. You'll have seen it on our Instagram. So um, yeah, I think it's probably a, a quite a fitting way to end our first podcast and our first story. And um, I'm sure there'll be many more. So uh, yeah, here it is. I recorded this on my phone. So again, apologies for the sound quality. We will get better. The world is filled with many souls, the kind, the weak, so many roles. 
But every now and then we find an adult with an evil mind. What is it about those in trust who rise to prominence through nastiness and dominance? Why do so many carers feel the need to steal their children's meal, to take from them their only friends, belittle them again and again? To me their role is crystal clear. Remove their fear and wipe their tears, enforce their armour more than once. Teach the art of resilience. But bullies don't. They pull the thread on fragile coats, make holes and sink the smallest boats. Find self-esteem in ruining dreams, it keeps them sane to give you pain. And this little girl's world makes my toes curl, her pain makes my head whirl. How can it be an adult sees, the thing to do is ruin you? The thing with abuse is that it doesn't need a noose to end a life so soon. The thing with abuse is that it doesn't need stray hands to ruin lifelong plans. The thing with abuse is that it doesn't need a pounding to make you lose your grounding. Because words are weapons too. So fast forward 30 years to a woman in tears on a bridge with a dog who can't see through the fog. Who lacks the right tools often developed in schools and from parents since birth to develop self-worth. There's an irony to me in this as she looks to jump right off the bridge. That the reason she doesn't is not for a cousin, or children, or job, it's because of her dog. No humans in mind, but an animal who will always be loyal, loving and true. Love unconditional, something she lacked. While starting your life, you don't ever look back. You didn't do it though. And here you are through leaps and bounds, you left the ground and made a sound. A ripple stretching far and wide, today you smile and beam with pride. Jotting notes, you never gloat, patched up your boat and kept afloat. You learned to box, but not with hands, a metaphor, you had a plan. Control then console yourself, no need to rely on help. Now you're free. Where many would run or find a gun, you took your time and crossed the line. Confronted him, from years ago, you told him so you made him glow. Red with anger, but not at you, himself for what he did to you. He knew his past, that damage lasts. He knew his role, and you know what? I'm almost certain it ruined his soul. But less of him, more of you. Here's the beauty of this story, the thing that gives us all the glory. Instead of running or remaining timid, you stepped up, helped others, built their spirit. Inspiration, motivation, you exuded all. You've shown that life goes on while standing tall.